How many times have you heard it? Trust your gut. Well, do you? New findings from a recent clinical study on the human gut bacteria suggest that you should. The bacteria that either live in us or on us really exert a profound effect on our overall health and well-being. It's essentially a partnership between the bacteria and us. On today's show, we'll learn about one local research team who have discovered a groundbreaking link connecting a bacteria type in our intestines gut floral with our risk for heart attacks and can even be an indicator of the severity of heart attacks. And we'll hear from two leaders at the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences to discover the present and future of translational science in our community and nationwide. The program has a lot of great existing strengths. Since its inception, investigators have been very successful at creating local and regional strengths in translational research like it has happened at Medical College of Wisconsin. It's all inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer, and I appreciate spending the next 30 minutes with you as we discover together. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Freighter Hospital, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all our member institutions in advancing biomedical research and finding new drugs, treatments, therapeutics, and interventions that are better, faster, and more economical than ever. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. When it comes to making decisions, do you trust your gut? New research is telling us that perhaps our gut is more trustworthy than we could have ever imagined. Dr. John Baker is professor of cardiothoracic surgery at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Recently, a team led by Dr. Baker were the first to find a link between a specific bacteria type in our intestines gut floral and our risk for heart attacks and can even be an indicator of the severity of heart attacks. Through funding from the CTSI, Dr. Baker's team also recently completed a clinical trial exploring the connection between gut bacteria and the detection and prevention of heart attacks and hopefully other serious medical conditions. Conditions. We chatted with Dr. Baker to better understand our gut bacteria and the vital role they play in helping us maintain health and prevent disease. Dr. Baker begins by describing the gut floral or ecosystem of bacteria in our bodies and the sheer number of bacteria that live within us. Someone weighing, say, 70 kilograms has about 40 trillion bacteria and 30 trillion human cells. And there are somewhere between 300,000 species of bacteria that are living in our intestines. And most of the bacteria in the body, they live in the colon. So the intestines is where the greatest concentration of bacteria are in our bodies. By the way, for us non-metric types, 70 kilograms is about 154 
pounds. Next, Dr. Baker says that while we all have the same bacteria, it's how they work that's as unique as the individual. Our gut ecosystem performs the same overall function from individual to individual. It's the individual bacteria that perform this function that differ widely from one person to another. Now, if you're like me, you grew up thinking that bacteria are generally bad for us. But Dr. Baker says that's hardly the case. Society tends to view bacteria as something bad for us. We hear about illnesses and we see products on the TV that kill bacteria that can be harmful to us. But the bacteria that live on us and within us, they really are essential for our overall health. They serve a protective function. If a disease-causing bacteria arrives in the gut, the existing bacterial community acts to displace that particular pathogen so it can't gain hold. Bacteria are really important for immune system development, and they perform several metabolic functions. For instance, they make compounds that we as humans cannot make, and also they ferment dietary residues that we take. We just don't have the enzymes and the systems to degrade those, but bacteria do, and that's why they do the jobs that we can't do. So what prompted Dr. Baker and his team to explore our gut for a possible link between bacteria that live in our intestines and heart disease? The role of bacteria in human health and disease has really become the focus of scientists in the past few years. Tools are now available that allow us to know who's actually living within the intestines. However, we don't know really what the individual bacteria are doing and how they work with other bacteria in the overall bacterial community. So alterations of these bacterial communities are associated with multiple disease states, and these include inflammatory bowel disease, obesity, cancer, diabetes, and even in the response of the human body to radiation. So we were just curious to know if there was a link between the bacteria that live in the intestines and the severity of heart attacks. If we could demonstrate the existence of such a link, then this could lead to opportunities for both diagnosis and even treatment of heart disease. Next, he shares the benefits of his research focusing on the human intestinal tract rather than on things like cholesterol or fat in our diet, which a lot of other cardiovascular research and clinical trials focus on. They focus primarily on reduction of either the intake or synthesis of cholesterol and reduction in dietary fats and triglycerides. Despite this, even in the setting of aggressive statin therapy and global cardiovascular risk reduction efforts, most clinical trials reveal a significant residual cardiovascular risk with at best only about a 30% reduction in major adverse cardiovascular events. So there exists a significant unmet clinical need for identifying novel therapies for the prevention and also the treatment of heart disease. And development of such potential therapies requires that we identify additional contributory processes that determine the progression of heart disease in order that mechanism-based interventions can be developed. Before getting into the clinical trial phase of his research, Dr. Baker worked on laboratory rats to explore the role of bacteria in detecting the risk and severity of heart attacks. It was in this phase that he and his team identified one specific bacterium of the tens of trillions in the intestines to focus on. Our animal studies allowed us to narrow down the culprit to a single bacterium. 
and we use that for our subsequent trials in humans. So the bacteria we're studying, it's called Lactobacillus plantarum. Studies by other groups showed that this individual bacterium was really effective in decreasing blood pressure in a population of young smokers. We went on to use that bacteria in our studies. Dr. Baker walks us through the work he and his team did, first with rat models to test his theory, and what was learned as a result. We used antibiotics as tools to alter the abundance of the bacteria that live in the intestines of rats, and we used the antibiotics vancomycin and we added this to the rat's drinking water. When these rats were given a heart attack, the amount of injury to the heart was decreased by a third compared with the rats that did not receive the antibiotic. Interestingly, the extent of protection against injury was comparable with that of drugs that have been developed as medicines to specifically reduce injury to the heart during the heart attack. So we had an exciting finding that needed an underlying mechanism to be defined. So we set about this by identifying signals in the blood that were altered by the antibiotic treatment. And out of the 27 that we examined, we found one, leptin. This was decreased by 48% by the vancomycin treatment. So if we treated rats with leptin at the same time they were receiving vancomycin, there was no decrease in injury from the heart attack. So good evidence here that leptin is indeed the culprit. So Dr. Baker and his team searched for a bacteria that would lower leptin levels in the blood. And we found one, Lactobacillus plantarum. So we gave the rats this probiotic to drink and found that leptin levels were decreased and most importantly the size of the heart attack was also decreased to the same extent as we saw from the antibiotic. Really, it was this result that was the stimulus to confirm in humans what we consider to be an exciting finding in rats. And based on the findings from their animal research, the CTSI funded Dr. Baker and his team to research whether the heart attack indicators from the gut bacteria work the same in humans. Dr. Baker tells us about the successful clinical trial he led. With the funding that we've received from the CTSI, we've enrolled men with stable heart disease who are being treated with medical we had the patients drink the probiotic that contained Lactobacillus plantarum once a day for six weeks. I mean, we collected blood and stool at the beginning and at the end of the study, and we measured heart vascular function so we could compare what happens at the end to what was happening at the beginning to see if there's any changes. The study was designed for 32 patients originally. We needed patients who had stable heart disease and they were being currently treated for their condition and they didn't have any treatment with antibiotics during the six-month period because if we're studying the intestines, we don't want to study an individual who has some sort of problem with the intestinal microbiota before we start our study. At this point, Dr. Baker's clinical trial is completed and today he's pleased to be able to share some of the significant notable discoveries from his findings. What we're seeing is an increase in a surrogate marker for blood flow in heart muscle after drinking the probiotic, predictive of cardiovascular risk. And we're seeing a decrease in cardiovascular risk. In addition, we're seeing a decrease in two biomarkers. I mean, one of the hallmarks of chronic heart disease is a persistent low level of 
inflammation. Interestingly, LDL cholesterol, the bad cholesterol, was decreased by the probiotic. And we think this is a relevant finding as the patients on our study are already being treated with medicines to decrease cholesterol. This suggests the probiotic can further decrease this traditional risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And Lactobacillus plantarum was well accepted by the bacteria that were already living in the intestines. Overall, our findings show that drinking just one probiotic bacterium confers health benefits to patients who have established heart disease. And although his findings are promising, he recognizes that there's more work to be done based on those findings. The novel approach that we've taken, it's addressing non-traditional risk factors for the progression of heart disease. And I think that we'll be successful if we can improve the cardiovascular health of Wisconsin by essentially developing a cost-effective treatment. While this study focused specifically on our gut in relationship to heart attacks, Dr. Baker says there's evidence that our intestinal bacteria might provide answers for prevention of other diseases, and he gives us a couple of examples. The first is Clostridium difficile infection. This is a frequently recurring problem. Certain probiotics, they can act at different levels to inhibit colonization and reduce and also prevent the development of Clostridium difficile infection. The data that's emerging from uh, clinical trials suggest probiotics are effective at preventing the initial infection and also preventing recurrence in those with additional disease. The second example is mental health. There are ongoing studies on the human microbiome that are starting to link the gut to the brain. And the vast majority of bacteria in our intestines may have a major impact on our state of mind. The gut-brain access seems to be a two-way street. The brain acts on intestinal and immune functions that help shape the gut's microbial makeup. So we may be able to prevent Clostridium difficile infection and some types of mental health disease by maintaining the balance of the intestinal microbiota. And it's particularly satisfying knowing that the CTSI had a hand in Dr. Baker's research by providing critical funding. Our funding and our access to the infrastructure in the hospital that's been provided by the CTSI. I mean, it's just been essential for our team to conduct this important project. And we are grateful to the CTSI for funding our research. With an ever-increasing focus on personalized medicine, does Dr. Baker see potential for the connection between intestinal bacteria and cardiovascular disease to complement this type of individualized treatment approach? Our studies support a new paradigm that may lead to diagnostic and prognostic tests and therefore lead to highly innovative therapies in the treatment of heart disease. I see a future where blood-based biomarkers will be developed to diagnose the likelihood of having a heart attack based on metabolites from intestinal bacteria that are present in the circulation. And in addition, an examination of the stool to identify the diversity and composition of the individual gut bacteria, I think that can be developed to assess heart health function during routine visits to the doctor. Dr. Baker and his team's work in studying gut bacteria is getting wide attention, including being featured on an upcoming PBS series. Our studies are being featured as part of a series of cutting-edge medical technologies and the benefits of a diet that are 
based on natural foods and supplements. And to help viewers understand how these advances can positively impact their own lives, so this series is constructed around one medical topic each week. It's scheduled for broadcast sometime in the fall of this year, but I don't have any specific dates. I know this much. The PBS series is called Natural Health Breakthroughs. And while it's not scheduled at this time, you can watch Milwaukee Public Television schedules for possible future broadcast in our area. Remember, Dr. Baker wants you to know that bacteria aren't all bad. In fact, some are not only good, they're essential for health and life. There is more and more being found out every week or so that the bacteria that either live in us or on us really exert a profound effect on our overall health and well-being. It's essentially a partnership between the bacteria and us. I mean, we gain from having them around. They gain basically for having and a place to live and reproduce. Finally, he has a message for you about what his team finds again and again in studying our gut, and it may sound familiar. The intestines serve as the primary filter to our environment. In the words of the French physician Brulat Savarin in 1826, tell me what you eat and I will tell you what you are. You are what you eat. Our sincere thanks to Dr. John Baker, professor of cardiothoracic surgery at the Medical College of Wisconsin and principal investigator of a clinical trial on our gut bacteria that will hopefully translate into new approaches for the prevention of heart attacks and other serious health conditions. If you've started listening to CTSI Discovery Radio more recently, perhaps you're not yet familiar with how the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin is funded and supported. In fact, the CTSI is funded by a federal grant from the National Institutes of Health. More specifically, the grant, known as a Clinical and Translational Science Award, comes from the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences, commonly referred to as NCATS. NCATS also provides additional support and guidance to all of the CTSA-awarded institutions nationally. Dr. Petra Kaufman is the Director of the Division of Clinical Innovation at NCATS. Dr. Patricia Jones is the Program Officer of this division. Recently, we had the opportunity to speak with both Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Jones about the important role that NCATS plays in advancing translational sciences, as well as their support of the CTSI and other CTSA-awarded academic medical institutions across our country. To help us better understand what NCATS is, I asked Dr. Kaufman to give us a brief overview of their relationship with the CTSI and others. The National Center for Advancing Translation Sciences is part of the National Institutes of Health. We are guiding research to make sure that we can bring more treatments to more patients more quickly and to do so work with over 60 academic medical centers and the Clinical and Translational Science Institute is one of our partners. Next, Dr. Kaufman explains the role of the area of NCATS she leads, the Division of Clinical Innovation. We have different divisions. We have the Division of Clinical Innovation, which I have the privilege to lead, which focuses more on clinical research. And the focus of our division is to promote excellence and innovation in translational research. And again, translational research is everything that is getting discoveries to health benefit, as opposed to discovery research, which is about scientists figuring out the great new things that eventually will have the potential to be translated. So what 
What is Dr. Kaufman's vision for how the Clinical and Translational Science Award grant recipient institutions, like the CTSI, can best serve their respective communities? Academic medical health centers, such as Medical College of Wisconsin, can play a unique role in improving the health of their communities. They can make sure that the research that is conducted within their walls is relevant to the community, and they can also make sure that the community is actively involved in the research process at all stages. There's one really important message that I want to mention, and that is, you know, when you go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't actually have as much information as they would need because there's still a lot of areas where we don't understand enough to be sure what the best treatment is. So imagine if you could have a learning healthcare system where you go to the doctor and the information or the questions that come from that visit could also be useful to advance medical knowledge and help others. That would be really great. And then we would end up all having better choices, better treatments, and make sure that it is benefiting others. So the place like Medical College of Wisconsin can play a critical role by integrating healthcare and research better towards the learning health system. She adds that the future importance and impact of translational science and entities like the CTSI is significant to say the least. The impact cannot be overstated. We all are familiar with sayings like, without health there is no life. So health is really fundamental to really anything we want to achieve as individuals and even as a global community. We all realize how critical it is that we take care of ourselves and that we have the gift of health because we cannot achieve our potential if we don't have that. And she has some eye-opening statistics to support how and why translational science is so important going forward. Medical College of Wisconsin and others that work on translating discovery into health benefit are really setting the foundation for the well-being of their community. So translation has, I think, increasing importance. Keep in mind that the number of people over age 60 has doubled and there's more and more chronic conditions in the world. The World Health Organization estimates that 75% of all diseases will be chronic diseases. The healthcare spending in the United States has passed $3 trillion a year. That is over $10,000 per person per year that we spend on healthcare. So getting discoveries translated into health benefit is so enormous in its impact and importance that I think it cannot be overstated. Recently, a review of NCATS and the CTSA program was conducted by the National Academy of Sciences at the suggestion of Congress. And Dr. Kaufman says that the benefits of the review are many in providing a clear roadmap into the future of the CTSA program. Yeah roadmap that makes sure that the CTSA program can materialize its full value in contributing to our ability to improve health. They have also indicated how the CTSA program can adapt to a rapidly changing environment that we see around the program. For example, the way we use data and information is exponentially changing around us, and we have to make sure that we catch up in medicine. Another example is the 
active engagement of patients with the internet and social media. Patients can often access their own medical records, be more active partners in decision making. So I think this report by the National Academy of Sciences provides us with a terrific roadmap to ensure that the CDSA program can remain at the cutting edge. Next, she shared some specific strategic goals that came out of the report from the National Academy of Sciences. We have five strategic goals. One is uh, focused on developing the future workforce for translational research. Other goals are to promote patient and community engagement, to promote streamlined and improved processes for research, to promote the inclusion of understudied populations across the lifespan in research, and implement cutting-edge informatics into translational research. Now, Perhaps the single most significant area of engaging stakeholders in the translational science process is through clinical trials. We asked Dr. Patricia Jones why are clinical trials so important in the overall landscape of medicine and healthcare. Excellent question, Brian. Clinical trials really is our primary pathway for discovering new medications and behavioral interventions intended to improve the public's health. And it's through that opportunity and through that mechanism that we are able to determine safety and effectiveness of our treatments and interventions made available to the larger community. So having that information tested and vetted through a clinical trial process helps improve the healthcare system, which relies heavily on quality information and data being provided to the system to either improve what is currently available to the community or introduce something new and innovative to be shared with the public. So it's really quite important. And Dr. Kaufman agrees. Translation has to really reach the patient. It's no good if it just ends up on a bookshelf. We want to make sure it helps patients. And the critical last step in developing a new treatment is a clinical trial. You know, we are all hoping that a new treatment will be better, and we all hope with the patients and families, you know, that it'll be improving their health more than what exists. But to really test that and to be sure and to get new treatments approved by the FDA, there have to be clinical trials. So clinical trials are a critical part of translational research. But she also recognizes that there are challenges with clinical trials. So what is NCATS doing to help increase and improve clinical trials going forward? Clinical trials are often very difficult to implement. It takes a long time to get them started. They are not able to get people to participate in sufficient numbers. So we want to make sure that if we launch a trial here at the NIH, expect a timeline and budget and that it can get us the answers that we so desperately need to improve health. And that is also true for other funders of trials when they do a trial. So what we are working on is excellence in clinical trials so we can get high-quality data, efficiency so we can do things on time and within budget, high-impact protocols and high-impact questions that really matter to patients so that the trials have an impact on clinical practice. At the heart of it, Dr. Kaufman wants you to understand one very important thing about the Division of Clinical Innovation at NCATS that she is leading. We want to work with you. Research is necessary. Our future as a society depends on improved health. We can't sustain the current healthcare spending and at the same time the outcomes that are not really as good as one could hope for. So when you go to the doctor, ask about research opportunities, think about volunteering as a research participant, and think about how you can get engaged in research, tell others about the importance of research. Because we cannot do this alone, we have to work together. And Dr. Jones 
Jones follows that up with another very important factor to consider. Add to that a dimension that is certainly well documented in the literature, and that is the importance of closing the gap on health disparity and underrepresented minorities not being adequately engaged in the clinical trial enterprise. NCATS is very committed to addressing that gap, and we have a number of activities, initiatives, and mechanisms in place to address closing the gap. And I think that's very, very important going forward because as we're looking at and continue to be committed to excellence, efficiencies, and high impact, we recognize we cannot do that without engaging our patient and participant community that's reflective of the overall public at large. Finally, both Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Jones agree that we live in exciting times for medicine and research, and both have encouraging messages. Dr. Kaufman's message is for you, our listener. This is an amazing time. There have been biomedical discoveries, and there are so many exciting opportunities to make that into better health. At the same time, the way we can deal with information and big data has completely changed so many aspects of our life. So we have to make sure that we support research, volunteer for research when we have the opportunity, and ask our healthcare providers about ways to participate in research that we can together make sure that we advance more treatments from discovery to health benefit more quickly. And Dr. Jones' message is for the medical enterprise. I would encourage our investigators currently engaged in the CTSA program and those who may not be directly as a grantee, but certainly involved in the field and industry, to really think creatively in terms of how we can partner and leverage the resources our colleagues from other disciplines may bring to designing, developing, and demonstrating our studies in clinical trials, the importance of social and behavioral science expertise integrated early on in the design of how we approach our research could possibly inform our research in a way that has yet to be fully realized. That's Dr. Petra Kaufman, Director of the Division of Clinical Innovation, and Dr. Patricia Jones, Program Officer of the Division of Clinical Innovation at the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences in Bethesda, Maryland. Our thanks to both for joining us on today's program. We've now reached the end for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show, and I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month, so make an appointment on your calendar to join us. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happy, healthy days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to this program online and on demand, please visit the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin website at ctsi.mcw.edu. And while you're there, be sure to take a moment and sign up as a community member. We need your help as we strive to advance clinical and translational team science in improving the health of our community and people worldwide. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer, co-produced by Tom Crawford and Jeremy Kuzniar in collaboration with WMSC Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.